I'd like to invite Jim to come on up here. Jim is from the Gideons, and I understand he lives here in Milford. And you've shared with us before, I think, years back, right? Back before COVID happened and all of that. So I want you to come on up here, and we'll just bless you and then allow you to share what the Lord has given you to share. Lord, I just want to thank you for your goodness and for bringing Jim here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through him, that you would allow his mouth and mind to work well. And I pray, Lord, in the midst of all this, that we would be lifted up, that we would be strengthened and encouraged, and we would also see a way in which we can help in this community, in this time, in this place. I just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I had, I had never seen anyone begin singing because he was ready to die for Christ. I will tell you more about the testimony of General George de Crona Van Gallipi, and he's from Angola. I want to show a short video first. I'll tell you more about that. Every Sunday, churches open their doors to communities around the world for people to fellowship, to worship, to grow, and to renew their spirits with a hope found only in the Word of God. But for many, Sunday is a day like any other. That's where the Gideons come in. As a missionary extension of the church, Gideons meet people where they are by placing Bibles in the traffic lanes of life and by personally sharing the message of true hope with the weary traveler, the sick and discouraged, with all generations, in small towns and in major cities, across time zones and countrysides into the ends of the earth. So men, women, boys and girls can learn who they are in Christ and experience life as children of God. Gideons have never done this work alone. It's churches just like yours who make their work powerful and effective in different cultures and languages throughout some 200 countries, territories, and possessions across the globe. Gideons are members of churches first, dependent on God's people for support through prayer, giving, and a growing membership. Because in the end, we're all carrying out one vision, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel to bring people to Christ. So, so General Van Gallipi 
gave his testimony at a Gideon meeting. We have an international conference every year, and it was in Kansas City. I don't, I don't think we went to that one in Kansas City, but um, it was in 2006. And he, uh, as I said, is from the country of Angola. And um, I've got some slides here to show you. I've got, last summer we had a visitor, every, in fact, every summer we get a visitor coming in from one of the international countries. And last uh, July, he was from Angola. So I got to spend a little bit of time with him. And I've got a picture here once the slides are up. But I'll tell you more about, um, about that. But at any rate, General Vengalepi was a boy soldier in Angola at the age of nine, nine years old. And he had already learned how to use deadly high-powered Russian weapons. If you remember, Angola was a communist country, right? Back at, back at that time, or back, I, don't, I forget when they, when they um, became what they are today, but um, at that time it was a communist country. Um, at the age of 16, he had spent four years in Russia and two years in Cuba. And he when he returned to Angola, he was, as you might imagine, fully indoctrinated in communist theory and, and uh, all that idealism that they have within the communist um, system. But what he became, when he, be when he came back as part of the army, he became what was known as the pastor killer. So um, every time that they had a pastor that was um, accused or maybe convicted of treason, he was dispatched to do the execution of the pastor. One pastor who he was assigned to to execute asked him if he could pray with him before he actually pulled the trigger, and he agreed to it. He agreed that the pastor could pray with him. So the pastor prayed, you might imagine, Father, forgive this young man, for he doesn't know what he is doing. And at that time, um, well, actually, he was 16. I don't know what, how old he was when he, when he um, began executing pastors or at this particular time, but at the age of 16, can you, imagine, can you imagine that? After that prayer, the pastor gave him a Gideon New Testament and asked him to read Romans 10, 20. Not a real familiar verse, but Romans 10, 20 says, Isaiah is so bold as to have said, I have been found by those who do not seek me I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Kind of a, a apropos verse for a pastor, you know, to put in his mind. Well, after 20 years, the general became sick, and no one could figure out what it was. He went to many doctors and couldn't figure it out, but he knew that he couldn't sleep at night, and what he would hear at night was the voice of that pastor and the words, the actual words. He had prayed. So he decided, kind of at the end of his, himself, he decided to go to church. Believe it or not, go to church you know, in a communist country. I, I don't know why there were churches in that communist country, quite frankly, but, but they refused him. He tried to come in and they refused him because they knew he was the pastor killer. You know, he was famous actually in Angola. But he read the Bible all that week, went back the next Sunday, and he was accepted to come into the church. Um, in that church service, the sermon and the words spoken were exactly the same he had heard. He said, he, he, he kind of went in, I guess he went in some kind of a trance or something, some kind of uh, thing, but he said he could not see anybody in the church service, uh, but he could see that the man 
he had killed, uh, telling, him, telling him that um, he was going to introduce him to someone very important that could help him. You might imagine <laughs> who that was. He couldn't see the man because he was too tall, apparently in the vision, some kind of a vision, but he could see fire in his eyes. He cried out at that moment for repentance, in, in repentance for everything he had done in his life, and he found himself on his knees at the front of the church, the pastor leading him to accept Christ. So, um, kind of a similar story to Paul, the apostle, you know. Um, but ama amazing, you know, what, what God does. Um, he later became a Gideon. That's why he was at the International Convention, actually. He was a Gideon. He, was at, he became the leader of all the Gideons in the country of Angola. Um, I, was, I was looking at some statistics of Angola. I think back at that time, there were probably a couple hundred Gideons in Angola um, at that particular point in time. And he, uh, as a general, as, as a military officer, he was very influential with leading some of his men to, to Christ as well. So one of those um, amazing, amazing stories. We heard a little bit from, about that from our visitor. The visitor we had uh, was from, actually from Mozambique. And this is him here. Um, but he was, he's, he actually, um, general, I guess the general became in charge of the, all the Gideons in Angola, but now our friend here, whose name, uh, Bor his name is Borges. Um, he is actually in charge now of the Gideon ministry in, in Mozambique and Angola. So uh, this picture here is from Angola. And actually, um, very interesting, we got, I got to drive him around a little bit. We had, we had like 10 or 15 different meetings where he came and would share with us what's going on in the country of Angola. Very, very interesting. He uh, travels thousands of miles. He, he doesn't own a car, it's, um, but very dedicated. When he got back to Angola, I got, a, I got a message from him on WhatsApp with this picture. This is from July, like a week after he got back to uh, Mozambique. He's in northern An Angola, he says, near the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. These are new Gideons that have just joined the ministry. He said he just recruited 27 new Gideons and six auxiliary. Auxiliary are our wives, the wives of the Gideons, by the way. So I just I share that with you uh, because of just amazing things going on in other countries, but also the amazing work that the Gideons um, in some of these countries are doing. It's just, it amazes, um, it amazes me to see that. And so they do a lot, they do a lot of work in, in distributing the Bibles and all the things that the Gideons do. Many countries throughout the world. In fact, um, one of the statements that I like is, is um, and I think it's true, the Gideons are the most effective, comprehensive, and integrated Bible distribution agency that the world has ever known. And that's pretty much true. It's, it, um, of course, there's a lot of Bible agencies out there, but what the Gideons do is, is fairly unique. And I hope to illustrate some of that to you by what I, what I show you during this presentation. Uh, we have placed over 2.5 billion Bibles since it began in uh, tw uh, 1908, I believe, 1908, somewhere around that time. The Gideons had been around for a while and were known as more as um, evangelists. You know, there, there were men that were set apart to kind of fulfill the Great Commission more, but took on that Bible distribution ministry uh, over 100 years ago, oh, probably 120 years ago now, right? So um, 
But one of the things that, that sets the Gideon ministry apart, which I'll show you a little bit of during this, is that we have what we call 12,000, it's probably higher than that right now, 12,000 missionary touch points. What is a missionary touch point? We have 12,000 of them. What it, we actually call them camps. So we are part here of the, um, what we call the Kent South. Usually in this country, usually a county would constitute kind of the boundaries of a camp. Sometimes there's a big county like, like uh, Newcastle County has, used to have east and west and south, now they just have east and south camp. Anyway, 12,000 of those throughout the world and they're expanding, they're expanding all the time there are around 280,000 Gideons and Auxiliary missionaries as part of those camps doing the, doing the work of the Great Commission. So um, I can tell you um, some good news and some bad news. Um, the good news is the Gideon ministry is expanding. It's still expanding worldwide. In fact, if I look at, if I look at uh, May 31st last year, total members were 150,000 Gideons. Today, it's close to 160,000 Gideons. Guess what the bad news is? Well, I like to be very transparent here, <laughs> but what, what is the bad news? USA Gideon members um, has actually got, actually got, looks like it has gone up a little bit, but we, we have been on decline. Looks like this, looks like we're, we're turning the quarter, 52,000 to 54,000 at the end of January this year. So that's good, that's good. But uh, where all the growth is happening and what we really are supporting when we support this ministry um, is overseas a lot, a lot of overseas. We do a lot of work locally too. We have, we have what are called scripture blitzes in Washington DC. Our territory, by the way, encompasses um, uh, Delaware, Maryland, and Washington DC so it's kind of that that's kind of our our boundary and so you think Washington DC might be a needy area <laughs> you think it might be yeah and we go help out places like Philadelphia too you know when we're doing distributions there as well so so that that is uh, that is what we're about so I'll tell you a little bit more about it a little bit of background on the Gideons I think I'll step down and kind of do the slides The international focus be began pretty early with the one Gideon. Think about that. The Gideon started with two or three guys, right? But by 19 in 1898, by 1903, we had a, an international Gideon in Scotland. By 1927, they said, "Oh wait, we want to expand this mission," so they started organizing to expand the mission, and um, we had two countries. By committee today and we added the uh, United Kingdom in 49 50 Japan and South Africa 51 Finland 52 Mexico and Haiti and then just to show you the overall growth and it kind of looks slow but you think about a, a company or any anything kind of trying to grow how would you even do that but and so it takes time right to get something big going 
but you can see kind of the growth. The number of countries involved with the Gideon ministry started to pick up in the, in the 50s, 70, 80, and um, 1990, 1946, uh, 2173, so on. And today we have 199 countries. And... Um, one amazing thing that I just put up there, we have, uh, I think, 109 different languages that we distribute in right now. But one amazing thing, the, the Gideon Bible app is an amazing tool because there are many more languages. Every country has uh, tribal languages and all kinds of languages that are, that are in use. And so as those come out, they go on the Gideon Bible app. There's now over 2,000 languages that we have. So if you want to download that app, I find that very useful because if you, have you ever been on a, a call, a support call, your computer breaks and who, you call somebody and who do you get? Pakistan or you get India or you get Philippines, you know, somebody in another country. So when that happens to me, I ask them about their tribal language and something I never heard of and they'll tell me what it is and I can find it. <laughs> Typically, I can find it on the Bible app. And so that's a way to share the gospel with somebody on, on a, in a situation like that. And not only that, but in our local area, I know we were going down to a Gideon meeting in Atlanta. We were going through, I forget, probably through Philadelphia or something. And, and uh, my wife, Barbara, had, had to be in a wheelchair because she had a, something to, go to do with the, uh, yeah, it's planter's fa fasciitis, I think, you know. <laughs> And that, that can come and go. Fortunately, it, it went. <laughs> it went. But anyway, the, the lady with the wheelchair was from Pakistan. And I was able to share with her the Urdu translation of the Bible and tell her about that. So think about that. If you, if you uh, well, just realize that we're in an international area. How many different languages are I know when we, last time we went to do the uh, Bible distribution in D.C., they were asking for Russian, you know. And even at, the st even at the state fair over here a couple years ago, right across from, we have a Gideon booth usually there, and right across from us there were some uh, Russian-speaking people, vendors. Actually, it was one Russian and one Israeli, both, and I, was, I shared the, the, the translation of how they could get that, you know, on their, on their phone. But anyway, digressing a little bit there. And this, this is what it's about with all, with all the languages and, um, and the expansion into some of the tribal areas. In fact, I was talking with uh, Borges when he was here about that and asking him, are there areas in Mozambique that have never been reached? And he said, yes, there are. And he started talking about an island that hadn't been. He had some plans to go to that island. But what did Jesus tell his disciples when they asked him about when are the when are, when are when is, so what are the signs? Of course, we know wars and rumors of wars, all those things. But in Matthew 24, 14, he said, uh, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And uh, I know some people could call that not nation, but tribe. So think about how many tribes are there. And there are people that know that right now that are working to reach all these tribes. And I think the Gideons are part of that, maybe unknowingly in some ways, but... but uh, it's going on, and then the angel comes. So we have to reach all these tribes. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, did the disciples think it would take 2,000 years? Probably not. But think about 
Now, if we had done what he really wanted us to do, each one for each one, how long would it have taken? Not, not this long, maybe, but there's a, there's a lot of logistics involved with it, all this translation and all the, all the things that, hap that happen with that. So um, anyway, um, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're about, winning, winning the world to Christ. But we found out, the Gideons found out pretty soon that most of the country, once we got into Bible distribution, most of the countries couldn't afford it. So we set up funds for that. And, and that's a big part of the Gideon ministry. I'll share a couple more um, aspects of that here. But So that's what we're doing with that. And um, I feel like we have no choice. I agree with this quote. We really have we really have no choice. This is what God's given us to do. We really have to do this. So we don't really have time to dispute about it. Let's let's just do it. I mean, really, let's just do it. We all want to get we all want to get to heaven, don't we? Does everybody here want to get to heaven? He said we have to reach all those nations and tribes. Let's do it. Let's just let's just do it. <laughs> You see that from that, there's, there's a lot involved with it. But uh, what's our objective? It's to win others to the Lord Jesus Christ. But how do we do that? We do it through three, three ways, actually. And, um, of course, the obvious one is to uh, personally witness. And so that's part of, part of what we do. We, ha we, we have a lot of training and a lot of encouragement to do that. There are some that are better at it than others, and I'm trying to follow them, you know. It's like the Holy Spirit, like, um, witnessing to people it can be difficult, right? Especially maybe family. Family is hard. <laughs> family is really hard. But um, when the Holy Spirit speaks, I'm learning to obey that. I, I think I was at a hotel uh, last month, and I was uh, kind of encouraged to witness to the lady at the front desk. And but I I walked out. Usually I'll get, maybe I'll get maybe 50 feet, you know, and the Holy Spirit says, no, go back. <laughs> this time I got like halfway across the parking lot, and so go back. So I went back and witnessed to her. I think she already saved, but still, you know, giving her th that encouragement. And then, of course, by distributing God's word or portions thereof, and then associating together, we... Uh, does anybody like to get up early in the morning? Anybody? You do? You do? Wow, the young people like to get up early. <laughs> we, uh, every Saturday we have a prayer meeting, and we have what, um, where the Gideons get together, pray for various aspects of the ministry or things going on in people's lives, people need prayer. If anyone uh, really, uh, we have what's now called the Friends of the Gideons, and uh, we're inviting people to come, pray with us. Um, it's a great fellowship. It's a great fellowship. So if anyone would like to do that, we would love to have you. <laughs> so put it that way. Fellowship together. Um, one of the things they uh, that I learned right after joining the Gideons is that we're very well organized. In fact, one one of our international conventions, a pastor was telling us that he believed that the Gideons were one of the um, most well organized um, organizations, and he said kind of similar to one that you probably are familiar with. And the one that he used kind of surprised me in a way. He said, you've got, you've got the, uh, a very similar type setup to the U.S. Army. I was like, 
the U.S. Army. I always thought that they were a little, you know, <laughs> a little bit backward in some ways. But, but really, if you think about it, they have all these plans and war plans and everything ready to go on the shelf. You know, something happens in the world. And the Gideons are kind of that way. We're very well organized. We know what we're doing. We try to, uh, we go out. You'd be amazed the number of guys going out training, like the, the new group that, that joined last summer there. That's going on, that's just one little example. That's going on worldwide everywhere. But the Gideons go out and train these guys and what we do and how we do it and how to be more effective. And so anyway, we have this constitution, Article 2, you know, Article 2 tells us what our, what our mission is and we have an operations manual. We have all that. <laughs> it's amazing. When, when we uh, first joined, it was like they wanted me to, we have a, a, a president of the local camp and, and after a year I've, said, I don't really know what's going on here at all, you know. I come to the meetings, I, I really don't quite understand what's going on. They said, well, would you like to be the president of the camp? It's like, I have no clue. But the good thing is I can just open up the manual and do what it says, you know. <laughs> so we're, we're very well organized that way. And we have these six main programs around the outside there. That's not, not real important, but just those three in the, mid, in the middle are how we, how we do, the, do, the, do the work of the Gideons. And, of course, some of the important ones are prayer and personal ministry. Um, we have the Gideon card, which you have in the back here. And uh, that's, that's a great way if you want to donate to the ministry without changing anything that you're doing. You're just sending a card. The card is free. Now you can donate, you can donate something, but you probably would have spent that on the card anyway. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not quite that much, but anyway. And does anyone know where this might be? One of the things that we get the opportunity is to go, um, occasionally Gideons can go out into, into, uh, into other parts of the world. I got that opportunity back in 2015. Anyone know where that is? What did you say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so anyone been to Tanzania? No? No one? Anyone want to go? No. <laughs> want to go? Um, so we, we had a group of 25 Gideons, international Gideons, I really mean international Gideons that came into Tanzania and helped out the local Gideons. At the time, there were about a thousand local Gideons within Tanzania, and they had some ideas of uh, what they wanted to do with distributions. Of course, they knew, they knew um, mainly school distributions, mainly schools is what we did, but um, we'd come in to help them out and probably... It's kind of impressive when someone comes from the U.S. to a country and they come into a classroom and, uh, you know, so we, we help them um, break some ice and things like that. But, um, and you get a really first-hand look at what's going on in these countries. It's really, it's really neat. And um, we need help, though. <laughs> we, need, we need help in doing what we're doing. And it's not so much getting out there into the into the field like that, but um, um, being part being part. If you want to take part in something, it you know we we would love to have you. In what and there's different ways in, in different ways you can do it. But um, this is a good this is a good quote here from um, a story from David Livingston and the society wanted to help him out, and they said, well. Uh, do you, have you found a good road so we can get there to be with you, you know? And he said, no. Um, if you have men who will come only if they know there's a good road, we don't want them. We really don't want them. We only want the men who will come where there is no road. 
What's amazing about this whole thing is that God really provides what you need. That's, that's, I, I'm continually amazed by what, <laughs> what he provides. Uh, but there is, a, there is a big need for those, for those men in the ministry. And this was uh, on the way to a school. Actually, there was a bad road there. In fact, um, that's the road grader that was grading the road. When we got to the school, we always sit down with the, with the principal, and we um, have, a, have talking with him. And, but we're, while we were in there, he said, his question was, first question he asked us, he said, how, how did you know? You, know? you know what he was asking? How did you know to come today? How did you know that they were going to grade the road today? He said, you would not have made it if they had not graded the road today. <laughs> so we were, on the right, we were there on the right day. And that's just, uh, that, that kind of illustrates we were in uh, Dar es Salaam for a week, and then we split up the team and went to two different cities. That's those, those were the areas that we were in in Tanzania. And the, the numbers there are probably pretty close to the number of students that the local Gideons wanted to get a copy of God's Word into their hand, and of course for their whole family. It might become the only book that they have in their house in some cases. But uh, that, that kind of shows Tanzania. It's about um, the area that I went to. On this, this was week one, and then week two I went out here to Mbeya, which is near some, a lot of, a lot of people go there for, um, I know I had a friend that wanted to, when I got back, wanted to know what I did, and I had to inform him I didn't go on a safari. <laughs> I was there. I was in a different form of safari out there, you know, in Tanzania, um, find, finding men, you know, rather than finding antelopes or whatever they have there, whatever they have there. But this is about, uh, that's about, the, I think it's about the size of West Virginia, where we were in, in Mbeya. And that's this picture of our team. They're and from literally from all over, uh, quite a few Europeans there. We had German, Finland, um, actually even Japan, and uh, mostly from mostly from the U.S. Though of our group, and just wanting to go. When I when I was uh, called to go on this trip, it was like one of those situations where you can't say no because. Um, I used to work in IT, and I had gotten a call in the morning about a contract that somebody wanted to give me, which basically was about the money that it would take. When we go on these trips, we fund our own way, but later that day, the Gideons called and said, would you like to go to Tanzania? And it was like, I couldn't say no. <laughs> God sort of put that, put that together. So. And one of the real blessings um, in, do, in doing these kind of trips is that we get to go and fellowship with um, churches, local churches, you know, and w what's a local church like in Tanzania? Um, I'll give you a clue. They're similar to what you might find in a black church around here. They're very, uh, what do you say, animated. All I'm, not so an I'm not so animated all the time, but they really... I had a video. I'm not sure I'm able to show you the video, but I can show you a little bit of that. But anyway, um, of course, dilapidated looking type buildings and classrooms and all, all of that you might imagine. This is the pastor here, really, really nice, really nice guy. 
It's just, just a blessing to fellowship with, these, with, with them. And um, that's their worship service there. I don't think the video, oh, it does. It does play. <laughs> a little loud. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to dance? <laughs> They're singing in Swahili. I don't, I don't know if you rec anyone recognize that, this, the song that they're singing there. I think it's probably leaning on the everlasting arms, I think. I think that's what it is in Swahili. Does anyone here like, I heard you singing earlier. You sound really good. Anyone want to sing that song with them? <laughs> Let's see if we can do that. The bouncing ball. in Swahili, <laughs> if you sang. So anyway, that, as I said, they're, they're uh, animated, very animated to be with, and enjoyed that. I had a friend, I had a, actually a fellow Gideon, before, just before I went to Africa, came to our camp, I think he came to our pastor's banquet, and he, um, I was asking him about Africa, and he said, he said he was glad that Africa was his first trip that he that he went on because he said he cried for a month afterwards after being in Africa and seeing you know seeing what they go through there. I didn't quite have that reaction, but we do we are I think we're missing the tears you know that we that uh, we probably should be seeing a little bit more of right in our churches. I did. <laughs> I was more emotional then. Yeah, I could have been. Yeah. Um, the thing about the Gideon ministry is that it's very, um, uh, it, there's a lot behind it going on. So in other words, to do a distribution, we distributed about over 300,000. They wanted to do 1.1 million, but within a two-week period and with the roads and all that, it was kind of difficult. But um, in order to carry out something like that, there's a lot of logistics involved. So we had these prepositioned uh, scriptures, you know, for our, the work that we were doing over there. I know one, one missionary from, um, that I know that's in Tanzania, when I was telling him about, we distributed uh, 
300,000 in his country that he loves as a missionary. Should have seen his face. You know, it's like, wow, <laughs> amazing, you know. But this is kind of what's involved. And uh, a lot of, a lot of pre-planning pre, uh, and, and work done by the local Gideons so that you can bring in this uh, group of Gideons from other countries and it's all, all you have to do is come in there and, and uh, participate. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a lot, really a lot behind all this. When we do Washington, D.C., we have a trailer that's donated by Food Lion filled up with scriptures, you know, that they, that they parked by the hotel that we're staying at. And we split up in, in teams there, um, one local Gideon and three, three um, international Gideons and to, to go to the school, main, mainly schools that we went to over there. And so this is our local Gideon, Ollie. I'm not sorry, this is Ollie. <laughs> That's Festo. And then we, um, here's the, the first distribution we did at a high school. And um, if we could only be doing this in this country, you know, I think it would change things when they changed the, all the rules and no prayer, no Bibles in school. That's the, that's the beginning of a real big decline in our country, obviously. But look at the number of kids. It's amazing how many kids are in these, in these schools and in these classes. This is the only one where we, we got to do like an open air where they came into the courtyard. They have big courtyards and they have an opening ceremony usually at the schools. This is the only one where we were able to do that and, and basically address the whole crowd. And then as they go to their class, in this school, practically every single one of them took a Bible, almost every one. I think I might have seen a couple that didn't. Usually you run into the... Um, Tanzania has about a 30% Muslim population, so those tend to not take it, although a lot of them do. <laughs> a lot of the Muslims were pretty open, so. And then, um, but most of what we did was class-to-class class class distributions. So this w I think this is in the second school we went to the first day. And by the way, on the first day that we were there, we distributed more scriptures, and I think our local Kent South Camp does in a year, so um, very, very intense. Very intense. Uh, at this particular school, I remember going. We actually went twice to this school because they had a morning and an afternoon session, and I remember going in like one classroom where the there was a low-hanging door frame, bumped my head right there in the morning. Afternoon came back, went in the same classroom, bumped my head again on the low door frame. <laughs> it was like okay. And I wore out a pair of shoes the first day. I remember that. But uh, um, some Muslim school or some some Muslim students there, you can see, and they they don't like to be lot, some of the Muslims don't like to be photographed, so they're holding up the Bible there. It's just a lot of um, one one thing about um, Tanzania when we do distributions at a maybe at a high school or a college here, we get a lot of sad faces, but. They're mostly, there's some examples where they're not so happy, but most of the time they're just happy. I mean, you know, it's like, what are we missing <laughs> in this country? We are, we are driving our, our younger generations into the ground or something going on. I think that's what it is. They're, they're being indoctrinated heavily into 
I know when I was in seventh grade, I was getting indoctrinated into communism already, you know, and that's a long time ago. Of course, that was Seattle, Washington, and that's a little more understandable there than in, than in Milford, Delaware. But they're generally all happy. I think we did one hotel. Yay, we did a hotel. The Gideons are very well known, and we got to do a hotel. I think we did a French, Spanish, English, because it's not for the locals. It's for the, you know, the Europeans that are coming in there to do business. That's the camp president from the area. He went with us on some of the days there. So just a lot of kids happy to get Bibles. And there's a probably a Muslim girl that was happy to be photographed. <laughs> she was, she knew, knew she uh, was photogenic, I guess. But and these two ladies out just on the street were not really too happy if they saw me with a camera. <laughs> I'm not sure they saw me, but they didn't look too happy. And then, um, of course, not much um, in the way of um, support, you know, structure. That their, their offices are out on the porch, you know, for the teachers. But they, but they all got the... Um, full Bible, all the teachers, it's probably, probably a Muslim, so the, the quite a few Muslims were pretty open to it as well. And then they're very um, um, hospitable. The, uh, our team leader, I mean our local Gideon, invited us out to his home, and for the um, first or second night we were there for dinner, meet his, meet his daughter and his wife, and so uh, it was it's just, just really a great, really a great experience. Um, did, we did the university. There's a Dar es Salaam University. Distributed quite a few Bibles there. Again, we're all prepositioned. The local Gideons do all the work. You know, they get it all ready for us. You just come in and hand out to the students. Most of them were taking it at this university, too. They made us, uh, they said, you're in the wrong place, though. They said, oh, we, we thought this was a good place. There's a bus stop right here. And they said, no, no. You got to move somewhere else on campus, and so now we got a logistic, another logistics problem. <laughs> right? Well, fortunately, to the rescue, they had these little taxis. This guy's name is um, Moses. He's saved, a saved guy. Talked to him and shared a little bit with him, but uh, he helped us move the Bibles with his little taxi there, <laughs> and just some. Um, That was a good day. One, one of the things that we do, um, one of my favorite things here is the pastor's banquet. So we got on the Friday night, both, both cities, we do a pastor's banquet. And again, they're a little bit more animated than we have here. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the pastor's banquet that we had Friday night that first week. He's the he's leader of the Gideons in Australia, I believe. But the Gideons enjoyed it too. You can see, <laughs> that's the he's from Finland. That guy's a missionary. This guy's a missionary. He came out missionary in, in Tanzania. And so that's uh, um, on, on the uh, between the two week uh, on Saturday after the first week. They put us on a little airplane and flew us out to those two other cities. I went out to Mbeya, and the other half of the group went out to um, um, what's it's called Arusha, um, but it's near Mount Kilimanjaro. 
I, I learned a lot of geography that I probably should have known. <laughs> Kilimanjaro, really, wow, I've heard of that. But on that, on that trip, on the plane, that little fast jet, I met Petro. Petro was sitting next to me. He um, was Catholic, maybe still Catholic, but I was, he was asking what we do, and I shared a little bit with him and shared the scriptures in the back, and, and here's a prayer. You know, if you really wanted to, to know that you're going to heaven, Jesus loves you, here's a little prayer. It's in the back of the Bible. And I, I had given out my last uh, Swahili Bible at the airport, I think, and so one of the guys next to me had one, so I gave it to him. He was reading through the, it's kind of like the Romans Road, but it's a little different, and but it was in Swahili, so he's reading in Swahili. I knew what the verses were, but at the end he said, um, I said, well, if you know, you're ready to, to uh, turn your life over to Christ, there's a prayer you could pray. And so he sat there a couple minutes, and then he said, oh, I'd like to pray that prayer right now. <laughs> so he prayed to receive Christ, signed the back of the Testament, and, uh, and uh, pray for Petro. I hope he has a continuing in the Christian life. And some of our, some of my travel, traveling partners, Paul from Minnesota, and the other, the, he, this, this guy was one of the, he's, I think he was almost 80 years old on our trip, but he was one of the more active guys. He was like, he was like outdoing all of us on that, on that trip. He's a doctor in Washington State, I believe. And we got to stay in the, in the resort. You can see all the little animals there but we didn't get to do the safari, oh well. They told us ahead of time, you're not gonna really, um, you're not here as tourists. I think, um, I think my friend from Finland stayed another week though, and he w did some of, the, some of the tour stuff. And then, um, that's a church that I was at at the second, second week. It was, it was very interesting. Uh, I know a missionary from, um, let's see, uh, South America. And every time he comes, every time I talk to him, he has a saying that he, he says, um, he says, where he leads, I will follow. What he feeds, I will swallow. <laughs> Some people are afraid of the food. The pastor from that church invited me over to lunch, you know, and it was, it was like, we, well, a couple things about it. We eat with hands here, but oh, I, well, they had a couple, they had a fork and a knife. We, you can use this if you'd like to. <laughs> and, um, but it, they had meat, and I didn't ask <laughs> what that was. But uh, so that saying from um, Mark Perdue, Mark Perdue, that's his saying. So I said, oh, good, I, I, did, I did the right thing, you know. God will protect, right? <laughs> God protects. Another distribution point. We had some help. From the, the kids love to help out. They help out carrying the Bibles to the classroom. They are uh, pretty excited. <laughs> They're pretty excited most of, most of the places. This is the one I was mentioning. They look a little bit sad. This, this particular school, they were separating, um, kind of being politically correct, you know, like we see in our country now. Uh, where do we see politi politically correct? Um, we're, we're supposed to do a distribution over at the middle school in Harrington coming up. We're not allowed to hand the Bible 
to the kids there. What's going on? What's going on with that? Um, politically correct. You know, we're not supposed to impose or uh, what do they call it? Proselytize. We're not supposed to proselytize. And we get that in our mind, you know. I think the devil is putting that in our mind, you know. But anyway, the same thing here with the Muslims. We're not allowed to really hand them. They all went off into their own little um, mosque or whatever they had there at the school. But as they came out the door, we we're, were able to put it in our hand, and if they want to take it out of our hand, then it's okay. What's going on? <laughs> We're so politically correct, and they're they were becoming that way at some of the, this, this school here in particular. I don't know if that's why. At one point while we were there, uh, the Muslim kids all came up to our truck that we had with the Bibles, and I, I wasn't sure why they were, I didn't know they were Muslims at the time, but they told me later, all the Muslims wanted a Bible, so they came up, you know, came up there, and they, want, they wanted to get one for themselves. So I, I don't know, but they look a little bit sad at this particular school. I like that picture because that's uh, Ralph, who was our team leader in Tanzania. And um, his wife was the international auxiliary president. Um, and so he's a, real, he's a real leader. But I like that because it kind of pictures Jesus, you know, with the little children. You know, they're just walking around him. And, and um, so I like, I like that. They usually would run after us. You know, we, we went down, we, we broke our rules a little bit. We went down to the third graders. We're supposed to only go to the fifth grade, but we, since we don't get to these schools very much in Tanzania, they said about once or seven years that we were allowed to go down to the third grade classrooms. But the ones that couldn't get one, they would run after us as we were going, leaving. So kind of sad, <laughs> you know. They have to wait, wait on that or... And my friend Jack here, he's the guy that handed me the Swahili Testament on the plane. He was, he was like everywhere. He was like, um, I think about, I, I, I'm probably going off on a little bit tangent here, but I think, you know, how the Bible says we're visited by angels. I put him in that category because he was everywhere when needed and doing stuff that a lot of people were not doing. But anyway, we were waiting outside our hotel there, and uh, there was a little, like a little factory or something right up the street from us. And um, this guy here, he was on his way to the factory, and Jack uh, led him to Christ. He, he shared the gospel with him, led him to Christ. But the interesting thing was he went up to his workplace, and he came back with this guy. He said, he needs to hear it. Led him to Christ, too. So, I, th I can think of at least one Bible story like that. <laughs> so, you probably know what it is. So, anyway, Jack, w Jack was everywhere doing things just ma amazing. That, and that's, that's really the cool thing is the, the mentoring and the examples. Wow. Incre incredible, you know, too. Uh, I shouldn't be part of it. <laughs> I feel it's like, um, it's like uh, the... The Roman centurion said, I'm, you know, not worthy for you to come to my house. You know, I know you can heal. I, I know you can heal this guy. Just, I, I know the greatest faith that Jesus had heard, you know. Um, if we're not worthy, you know, we, we need to 
somehow adopt that. This is, this is a school that, that where they said that we probably shouldn't have been there if the roads hadn't been fixed. You can see it's kind of really falling apart. But good agriculture. <laughs> and, um, and then we did get to, one of the things we do as Gideons is we, um, when we put Bibles in hotels, we pray over it and do a Bible dedication. We have an actual ceremony and um, sometimes people even get saved. Some of the help at the Bible, uh, during the Bible distribution. And uh, another classroom. <laughs> and just a very poor, poor country, just kind of scratching out a living. You can see this guy, I think, was taking junk down from the, the hillside into the, into the city of Mbeya to sell it. But they have no safety net like we do, you know. Um, no, um, you know, what we talk about, government benefit or anything like that. And this is that another school. Is anyone a teacher here? Would you like to teach that size class? <laughs> I've seen churches that big, <laughs> but with that many people, that maybe not a problem, but with the individual attention, you know, students need, I don't know how they're, how they're doing that. That's incredible. That one there is just incredible. That, which, what fire marshal approved that? <laughs> Any fire, fire people here? And so just trying to do God's, God's will as we do this ministry. And whatever whatever it is, don't do nothing. I got I got to tell myself that got to do something. You got to do something. You know, do what, and and the Lord will will uh, the Lord really provides the direction. The direction. Um, it's only when you. I find that um, some of the best leaders I know in the ministry, pretty much don't say no. They pretty much don't say no because they figure. God, God is in this in some way, shape, or form. If if there's a task in front of me that I'm being asked to do, I'm, there's probably times where you have to say no. I know my wife has been caregiver for two of her parents for four or five years or something, and so she's had to say no. But there's time, there's times. But generally, when God wants you to do it, there's probably a reason. <laughs> there's probably a reason. I, I, and that's, that's kind of the mentoring that I've kind of um, appreciated because I would, I would tend to say no maybe more than I should, you know, so. One of the good things here. And this is a lady that we just wanted to hear this from an actual teacher, principal.
how to be close with our God, and how to be friend with other people, how to be, actually it will help generally my student to be good, according to my belief. I know that Bible is the only tool that will change our students. When they go through them, when they read them, and uh, very happy because every student will get one Bible for him or for herself. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, God's word will not return void. So I, I think that possibly what we're doing is changing whole countries. Uh, what, what they're doing in this country, also changing things radically. So appreciate the time and um, appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of what, little bit of what's going on here. Hopefully that is encouraging to you. and. Some of you maybe want to uh, join us for prayer on Saturday. Anyone want to go to a prayer meeting Saturday? <laughs> but anyway, God, God bless. Saturday? It's Saturday at the Milford, Milford Diner at 7.30. We meet at 7.30 Milford Diner. Praying for the world to get right. <laughs> Thank you, Jim, for that. Um, this is sharing time. Do you have something you would like to share? Maybe something God has done for you? Maybe you have a question for Jim? Um, we'd love to hear from you. This is your time. One of the things I had to think about was this past week I read that in the year 2023 that there were about 50,000 suicides in the U.S. And 